Welcome, Destiny Online family. So glad you are joining us today. And uh, just looking forward to the continuation of the morning. Welcome, Destiny Table New York and Destiny Table New York in the house. I feel the presence of the Lord. Let me encourage you. Uh, it's been an incredible weekend. First and foremost, I want to say there is a tremendous amount, thousands and thousands of man hours that goes into a weekend like this. And I want to say a great big thank you to everybody who has served and loved and given. Can we just say thank you to the teams that have done so much? It's been tremendous. And then I just want to direct all attention for a moment. Pastor Chrissy and the worship team, um, they... This has been more worship heavy. If you were here for the weekend, everything's been just flowing in and out of worship. They had to do all these sets through the whole time. And man, they've been up here working, rehearsing, practicing. I got, I saw a message this morning. Mark showed up and he said, are we rehearsing at 8 a.m.? I mean, I saw that message and I thought, man, after a late night last night, everything going on, I just want us all in agreement to say to this worship team, man, thank you for bringing heaven on earth. All your hard work, praise God. We are so blessed. It's been very rich. And I, I wanna I wanna ask you, Destiny family. Uh, one, let's you know, Steve says often and he made the comment in one of his sessions this weekend, revelation that's not nurtured is lost. The Lord's revealing some things. I've had a couple of people ask him. We get the sessions and listen to them again. Uh, and we want to make those available to you, and we will. Uh, but revelation that's not nurtured is lost. So we want to take that which the Lord has deposited and really embrace that. And I also just want to say, and listen very carefully, let's not just be those who receive all the time. Let's be generous in our giving. Let's not be a reservoir. Let's be a river. So the revelation God's awakened within us, let's look for opportunities to share that in the lives of those around us. And let's also honor the hard work that's been put into the weekend for those that have come from overseas. And I want to ask you to give. Um, you can scan with your phone on the screen and it will take you to the giving link. But so into uh, the weekend, please, let's really be generous. I was kind of surprised to find out yesterday um, the ladies' lunch. We had a ton of ladies here, um, and just incredible reports coming out of that from what Esther was bringing, just the ministry time. But we spent almost $3,000 on lunch for the ladies yesterday. So it's been a big weekend. And uh, I just would say, let's just give generously, and let's give thanks to the Lord just for His faithfulness uh, in all of this. And I just want more of Him. Amen. I want more of Him. So this morning, early morning, I was in the kitchen. Henry and, and Steve and I were gathered around the coffee pot where the Lord likes to gather us. And I said, I have a little sin I need to talk about. And Steve said, good, I have a big sin I need to talk about. And Henry said, I don't have any sin at all. <laughs> uh, I just want to say 
these are some of my closest friends. And my life has changed because of the friendship. Not because of the ministry element of what we've known ministry. It's because of friendship. Deep-spirited friendship. Joining of our lives. Joining of our hearts. And uh, you know, Stephen elders serve as overseers to our church. They carry this apostolic grace. I've slowly uh, changed it from the way I'm communicating it because the, the church tends to have a problem with the term apostle, but they carry an apostolic grace. Let's just say it like it is. They bring an apostolic revelation to the body of Christ, and we are honored to have you. Stephen Esther, would you please come? Tracy and Lawrence, who are fantastic. And we deeply, deeply appreciate them in our lives. So uh, thank you so much for always making us feel so welcome in your home, in your church, in your life. And we just recognize that we go deeper together. We go further together than we would on our own. And we just recognize that we're able to cheer each other on in all that God has got for us. And we're excited because we believe we're right at the beginning. Destiny Church is right at the beginning of all that God has got for her. And so we are just so blessed and privileged to know you. I was saying to Tracy, how many people in this room is they're just so loving towards your pastors, toward us. It's just a beautiful atmosphere that you've cultivated here. And we're really blessed to be here with you this weekend and here with you uh, this morning. And this morning when I woke up, I immediately thought of Obed-Edom. And so I opened my Bible into Chronicles and just had a little read around Obed-Edom. But wanted to encourage you that, you know, when Obed-Edom had the ark, the presence of God in his house for three months, everything was blessed. And I really believe that your pastors have invited the presence of God into the house. And it's going to result in blessing, not only now, but for generations to come. And as I kept reading Obed-Edom, you know, he had eight sons that were gatekeepers. And then grandchildren, it said they were all strong, capable men. They were all faithful to the end. And I just feel like God is changing the destiny of this church as you align yourself with his purposes and his plans. And as you make the decision like David did to inquire again of the presence of God, to turn your ear to him, to invite his presence right into your home, right into the center of your life, that God wants to bless Destiny Church for generations. And not only that, but as individuals here, I believe that's your desire. There's so many people in this room that I believe you're saying, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And I want the presence of God in my life. And maybe you haven't had it in your life previously, but right now you are making that decision this year in 2023 that God, I want your presence right there with me. And God says, because you've decided to honor my presence, because you've decided to fear me and honor me for generations to generations, and people are going to be faithful to the Lord. And so, Father, we just want to thank you for what you're doing with us, what you reveal to us through one another. Thank you, Father God, that you're revealing our need for you. 
And Jesus, we do honour you and we honour your presence. And we want to live in the fear of the Lord. And we want our testimony to be that from generation to generation, we have those who faithfully serve you. And we say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. One last thing from me. <laughs> I was debating sharing it, but I had this phrase come to me that I wasn't sure whether I knew what it meant, but ring of fire. And uh, I quickly Googled it and just the first thing that came up was that it's a, it's a band of volcanic activity, like a seismic, and a, a huge area where there's a lot of volcanic activity and earthquakes and things. And they link it up by saying it's a ring of fire. And I just feel like on this trip, we started in Roswell. I think there are so many places. This is huge what God is doing in the earth right now. The revival fires, the eruptions, the tremors that are about to take place. It's huge. And I just believe that you are in the ring of fire, that you are aligned, ready for revival outbreak. And so, uh, yeah, Father, we just pray, Lord, would you have your way in and through our lives? We want to be revival ready. We want to be postured, ready for you to move in us and through us to the world around us. And so we just thank you again this morning that you're a speaking, living God, and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Never get bored. Thank you so much. Well, we're, uh, thank you to the worship team. Really appreciate you. You've done a great job. You can come back up in about whatever minutes. You listen to the spirit. Let's see if you get it right today. And uh, we do feel we're at home. Um, we feel part of the family, <clears throat> uh, even though we, you know, we speak a different language. Um, we are—we really do feel joined, connected, and um, we honour uh, Pastor Lawrence and Tracy, their leadership, and uh, f feel very privileged to be in friendship with them and to come and serve yourselves here today. And I, I feel a gentleness around that and a soberness not just a kind of you say it for the sake of it and I think I'm thinking of myself and Esther and uh, the Neesons we've been serving the Lord for a few decades in terms of we've been around a while we're not new to this and yet I agree with what Esther is saying there's a sense of freshness and newness for the day that we're in and obviously we're aware Destiny isn't a brand new church. It's been going a while. You've got some great history. People have been faithful, who've served the Lord well. All of that is to be commended. But I would then reiterate what Esther has just said. It's just beginning. That there's a newness and a freshness. And so, Father, I just even pause with that thought. Thank you that you are with us. I pray that you would come and rest upon our thoughts, our hearts, 
Would you help us to see what you see? And would you help us to feel the way that you feel? Would you help us to see your story for destiny? And destiny isn't a, an organization. It's a family of believers made up of individuals with stories, some who are in right now, others who are yet to join. And so, Father, would you help Destiny family, every individual, every couple, to realize that they are part of an unfolding God story. We're not just attending church because it's Sunday morning. Our lives have been interrupted by the Creator who is writing our individual stories and weaving them into the stories of our community here today. We're being prepared for those yet to come. And I see hundreds and thousands coming. And so, Lord, would you help us to break out of the religious Sunday mindset, looking for an experience. We love our experience of you. We're not against experience. But I pray that we'd move beyond that to realize that you are mobilizing a new breed of people who are full of the Holy Spirit, submitted to Him, care for one another, and are advancing His purposes in Oklahoma City, in the state, and even in the nations of the world. And I'll, I'll just, you can look up again, I would just remind you that your story, and I don't know it very well in its history, but the DNA of nations is woven into the fabric of God's design for destiny for yourselves. It's not just a, hey, should we go to the nation? Should we influence the nations? When God birthed this community, when he thought, I want a community called destiny, he wove into their DNA and into their future an influence that would reach into the nations. I, I really don't say that to excite you. Uh, I do say it to say, look broader than your own life and what you're doing right now. Just what, what, what does that mean then? How will I have to live? How will we have to budget? If our reach is going to be extended, how should we think? How should we prepare? I'm on dangerous ground because I'm kind of flowing without my notes, and then I'll end up wanting to go to my notes, and then I'll run out of time. And So I'm aware of all of that, but I just kind of, that whole ring of fire Obed-Edom, they're not just random thoughts because Esther was going to come and give them. They're words from God. When she was speaking of Obed-Edom and how he, because of his cultivating the presence of God and a godly lifestyle in his home, his children after him turned out to be godly and a cycle was broken perhaps that had been there before. And I kind of heard the Lord saying to me, some of you need to own that and say, 
the cycle of dysfunction breaks because we will live uprightly with integrity. We will honor the Lord. We will cultivate a lifestyle of holiness and consecration and of His presence. And because of it, our natural sons and daughters and our spiritual sons and daughters will receive a heritage and they will be blessed to the second and the third and the fourth and the tenth and the twentieth generation because of the way that you choose to live and I choose to live. Raising our kids, spiritual and natural, should not be a roll of the dice. Honestly, I, I am heartbroken as to how many Christian families go through the heartache of seeing their kids attacked by the enemy, stolen, whether it's for a few years or a few decades, or even if it's for a few months. And I'm saying, Lord, we're going to break this cycle. We're going to break the hand of the enemy off of our families, off of our marriages. I would even say, if you're struggling in your marriage this morning, the problem isn't your spouse. Like, like, there may be a problem, but you know what I mean. Just like, <laughs> I'm just saying, we've been married. I, what date is it today? Are we on the 5th, 4th? We're on the 5th. So 10 days time, we celebrate 26 years of being married. That's, it's a miracle that she stayed with me that long. If you can fall in love and you go through a season where you fall out of love, here's some good news, you can fall back in love. That's kind of the limit of my marriage counseling. You fell in love once, okay, so you fell out of love. Do the things that got you in love the first time and God can heal and restore and mend. Break the dysfunction. Break the value system of the West. Do the things just like Jesus tells us to do with him. Do, some people choose to walk away with Jesus when they're disappointed. But he tells us, repent, do the first things, fall in love all over again. I believe God calls us to that. So I don't know. I'm just, let me tie up these loose ends. This sense of family dysfunctions broken. People are choosing to live uprightly, cultivate the presence, and because of it, they're going to change the trajectory of their offspring, natural and spiritual. You're in the midst of a ring of fire. I actually think this is in numerous parts, both in the US, UK, Europe, God is beginning to move. And we are seeing kind of the early signs, the first fruits, the gentle blowing wind of the Spirit. And I, I've, been, I've only started saying this while I've been in the U.S., only a couple of weeks, but this phrase of the Lord keeps saying it to me, don't miss the spiritual because you're looking for the spectacular. Like he's moving, don't miss it because it's deeply spiritual, but it may not be sensational. Like we, we want sensational, dramatic and the Lord is saying, no, 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 I'm moving. Recognize where I'm moving. 
Do you feel your heart warming towards me? Like, that's the beginning of revival. Are your passions changing? That's me stirring you. Don't miss it. Cultivate it. Walk in it. So, here's my message for today. I'm going to go there now. So, you can breathe a sigh of relief. He's on track. He's aware of the time. It doesn't make any difference, but I am aware of the time. To what time? No, I, I want to be invited back, so I will finish on time. Lawrence just didn't tell me what that time was, so. But Tracy did. Tracy did. Okay, let me give you three thoughts to set some wider context. You hear the word of the Lord from Esther that I've just reiterated. Here's three things that I'm going to just say to you. The first one is, there's a new thing God is doing. I don't say that to hype you up, but having been walking with Jesus since I was five years old, like, I've been around a while, sat through a lot of meetings, been in a lot of conferences, and I, I would say my spiritual discernment, and it doesn't take a lot of discernment right now for this, it doesn't take a strong prophetic gift, God is on the move, He's doing something new. And Isaiah 43, 18 and 19, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past, see, I am doing a new thing. And my prayer for you is that God will give you eyes to see what He is doing. If you can see it, you can walk into it. If you don't see it, you'll miss what God's doing. The second thing in my introduction is we're in the midst of a shaking, and the shaking will continue, and it will eventually produce greater glory. So it sounds contradictory. Over here, I'm telling you, God's doing something new. It's going to be glorious. And then I'm pausing and saying, the world is going through a shaking. We are being shaken. It's not a contradiction. It's actually what the Lord is doing. And being aware of what He's doing is really helpful that we don't get discouraged and that we don't back off, but we press in and lean in. Um, Haggai chapter 2, verses 3 to 9. Who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? When I read that, I think of the book of Acts as the former glory. And I think, wow, thousands saved in a day. Churches planted by everyday believers. Miracles, dead raised. Just the fear of the Lord amongst the community. The Lord added to their number daily. And the Lord is saying to them about the physical temple, what does it look like now? Doesn't it seem like nothing? Compared to what was, what we have is not where we want to be. But then he says, and now be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land. I, I kind of looked that up in a commentary. I'm not a theologian. But you've got a priest, you've got a kind of a ruler, business person, and you've got all the people. And to all of them, God is saying, all of you right now need to be strong. The church may not be what it used to be, but you, gird yourself up, be strong. And then he says, and work. They're like, I don't want to work. Can't you just move? I thought when revival happened, God just did everything. And he's like, no, I am doing something new. 
It's not yet come, but it's coming, and there's going to be greater glory, but you're going to have to strengthen yourself. Tell your neighbor, it's time to get strong, and it's time to work. We cannot be afraid of kingdom work. So we, strength is developed intentionally. And the decision to work. How many know coming to church on a Sunday morning is not work? You're coming to church on a Sunday morning. You're sitting down, facing the front. And I'm not saying there's no effort. I'm just saying it's not work. You don't go quiet on me now. But we are being mobilized, ready for work. For I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt. And my, I love this, my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. This is what the Lord says. He's just about to tell them that shaking is coming. He's encouraged them, strengthen yourself, get ready to work, and don't be afraid because my covenant still stands. And then he says, this is what the Lord says, in a little while I will once more shake and five areas, heavens, the earth, the sea, the dry land, I will shake all nations. This isn't bad news, but it is sobering news. Our world is going through shakings right now. Economically, pandemics, weather patterns, I mean there's all sorts going on. And it is not catching the Lord off guard. And he is saying to his people, I'm with you. I'm about to restore greater glory to the house. It's time for you to strengthen yourself. It's not going to be an easy road, but I'm with you. My covenant still stands. I don't want you to be afraid. Strengthen yourself intentionally. Get ready to work because there's shaking coming. Somebody say that's a good word. And then he says, and it's a capital D in my translation, The shaking will come until what is desired by all nations will come. Do you know one of the names of Jesus is the desire of nations? It's one of his titles. So he said, I'm going to shake until the one who is desired by the nations. They don't even know they want him yet. But when everything else is shaken and there's nothing left, you turn to the desire of nations and he comes. That's why there's a capital D in the translation. It's talking about Jesus. The desire of nations will come. And he says, and then I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine. The gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. And the glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place I will grant peace. But you're going to see the whole sequence there. There's going to be some rough stuff happening out there, but he's with us in the midst of the shaking. He's telling us ahead of time, strengthen yourself, get ready for work, shaking is coming, but Jesus is coming, and he's the desire of nations, and you're going to see greater glory coming into my house. I think we're going to see greater things than we saw in the book of Acts happening in the last day, church. Amen? So let's gird ourselves up, ready for what God wants to do. So I'm still in my introduction, but I've got plenty of time. You're with me. Are you with me? Here we go. 
So God's doing a new thing. Shaking is coming, but it's going to reveal greater glory, and there's a process in there. The third part of the introduction, all of this, and I've hinted to it already, is preparing the way for the king. Jesus. He's coming to take center place within his church. Past all of the personalities that have elevated themselves. Isaiah 40, verses 3 to 6, 3 to 5, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. And I won't read it all to to you, but it's making a, a road straight, and you can't make highways in deserts. One sandstorm and it's all gone. You can't dig deep enough for foundations for roads because it's a sandy place. But he's going to make a highway in that desert. And every valley will be raised up and every mountain and hill made low. There are things that are lacking in our lives that the Lord says, I want to build them back up. For some of us, it's our holiness. It's our life in the word. It's our prayer life. He said, it's like a valley at the minute. You need to raise it up again. And then there are hills and mountains that need to be brought down. Self-sufficiency, pride, arrogance. And the Lord says, I want to pull all of that down. He'll do it in the church. He'll do it in individuals. Rugged places will be made plain. The ground will become level. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed. Do you see God's aim everywhere? His glory revealed. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. And he's going to come, I believe, into our lives, into our families, into our churches. So in the midst of those three things that God is doing, there's a lot of activity going on. I think we've got to be really careful because the enemy will try and piggyback off what God is doing to try and cause God's people to either be confused, and I I wrote these five words down, he'll confuse people, make things look more complex than they are. Anybody gone through that in the last year or two? He'll distract some people, divert your attention away from where it should be focused. He tries to disorient you In other words, you lose your sense of bearing. Anybody felt like they've been spun around? He'll try to dilute things. Does the Bible really say that? Do we have to believe the whole thing? Yes, you do. If you're going to follow Jesus, he's not just Savior, he's Lord. He's the eternal Word of God. So we must not be confused We've got to be really careful that we don't give in to distraction or disorientation or tempted to dilute God's word. And then the fifth word is deter. When you deter somebody, you discourage them from doing something by instilling fear in them. I I have experienced all five of these. Confusion, distraction, disorientation, dilution, the temptation and to be deterred. You're going to keep going back to the Lord saying, I'm going to hold steady. I'm not going to compromise your word. I'm going to remind myself of your promises. I'm going to remind myself of what you've called me to do. My feelings don't play into it. It's a decision. It's an act of the will. Does that make sense? 
our marriage, I enjoy the feelings of love, but actually our covenant is based on a commitment, a decision that we have made. So whether it's a good week or a bad week, I'm still in relationship because we made a covenant. Your emotions are supposed to follow you, not lead you. Do I feel like going to church today? Not today. It was a busy week. I don't know. Do I feel like meeting around that destiny table? Well, you know, it's a, we've got the club on for the kids and we've got this to do. And we allow our appetites and our emotions to dictate what we do. What I'm calling you to is, God, hey, understand the big story. God's on the move. You make some commitments and decisions. You stay by them. That's where people of integrity and uprightness and righteousness are made. Somebody say, that's helpful. Amen. I'm going to come into land. It's going to take me about 20 minutes. It's a big plane. It's a long runway. So stay with me. I really do feel um, like this is the change in me. When I was a little bit younger, even a few years ago, when I'm preaching, I'm trying to keep momentum going. And, and now I'm like, I just know God takes these words and he'll impregnate your heart with his living word. And so it's okay. I think if Paul can preach all night, put somebody to sleep who falls out of a window and dies, and then raise him from the dead, go back upstairs and carry on preaching, undeterred, <laughs> I feel all right going for a while with you. It, it's only in the West. We're like, do I feel good? Is he ramping me up? Like, just, just. These are, these are God's words I'm preaching to you, reading to you, and declaring to you. Let them do their work in your heart and in the atmosphere of this place. So my title for today is just simply Stronger and Brighter. Stronger and Brighter. I believe God wants you and has called you to become stronger. And I believe he's going to cause the path around you to become brighter and clearer. I'm going to read you a few scriptures uh, Psalm 37, and I love this, 18 and 19. The blameless spend their days under the Lord's care, and their inheritance will endure forever. In times of disaster, they will not wither. In days of famine, they will enjoy plenty. That's a good promise. If you live before the Lord righteously and blamelessly, you live under the Lord's care your inheritance will endure. Even when there's disaster all around you, famine all around you, the Lord says, for you, I'll give you plenty. I'll care for you. That's a phenomenal promise. So my well-being is not determined by what's happening around me, but it's determined by standing before the Lord, honoring Him in the way that I live, choosing to make right decisions, godly, biblical decisions. He says, you do that, Steve. I'll find you in the desert and look after you. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. I, I, I'm like, I don't want to get my eyes off him. I want to stay ever so close. 
And then this is the passage that is our passage for today. It's Proverbs 4, from verse 18 to the end of the chapter. The whole of this chapter is amazing. And this last few verses in this chapter, here's, here's verses 18 and 19. The path of the righteous is like the morning sun, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. Which path would you rather be on? Here's what it says in the message. The ways of right living people glow with light. The longer they live, the brighter they shine. But the road of wrongdoing gets darker and darker. Travelers can't see a thing. They fall flat on their faces. So I'm, I'm just presenting to you today in the application with all that the Lord is up to, all that He's doing, shaking that will come. We're telling you that God has a plan for you, that He wrote your story and wove it into the story of the community here at Destiny. That there is shaking that's coming, stuff that's happening, but you must strengthen yourself, get ready to work. But then the application right here is, God says, I want to look after you. And my plan for you is that you get stronger and the path gets brighter, you get brighter. But it is a conditional promise. Many times things are preached as though it's for everybody. We preach it, everybody gets ramped up, we leave excited because God's going to do all this stuff for me. I'm saying to you, he is going to do a lot, but he's actually holding out his hand and giving an invitation. And he's saying, I'm expecting something from you. He's expecting right living. He's, he's expecting righteous thoughts, right actions, right words, that our choices come under the lordship of Jesus. Now, I know we are righteous by the blood of Christ. I do know that. But I believe that's not enough for you to become strong and for you to have light, your righteousness in Christ, your faith must have deeds to go with it. James said this, he said, you can't really have faith without action. If you believe, it's going to look like something. So you've got two paths before you today. We are living in the most critical time in history. You were born for such a time as this. And I believe this morning the Lord is saying, I've called you. There is great promise hanging over you as a people. Like it's weighty, pregnant. And it fits into what he's doing globally. But you are a part of what he's doing globally. But then he's saying, now choose how you live. Choose how you live out that marriage. You've got some choices of right living in the way you make decisions financially, relationally, maritally, in your business, in your spiritual life. What does that look like to make right decisions before the Lord? 
He'll help you. He's not demanding you get everything right now, but he is demanding that you turn your heart towards him now. He's so gracious. He says, you do that, I'll put my hand in yours and I'll help you every step of the way. I love that because I often don't know what to do. And when he says, you come close to me and I'll show you what to do. And you might feel like you're a novice in this book. That doesn't matter. You just start, and the Holy Spirit himself will become your teacher. He will open it up, and you might say, well, I'm not very clever, I'm not very educated, I'm not this. Honestly, like my teachers at school, we we have a grade that you do from 16 to 18. It's called A-levels. My A-level English teacher told me, your average, you won't amount to much. That's not a nice thing to say. You should have said, oh, but it's okay. (laughs) So when I wrote my first book, and it was in seven languages, I went back to school. I took it to my A-level teacher and I said, sir, this is what your average student did. God takes average. He takes those that are despised and lowly. And he says, you may not think much of yourself right now. Your teachers may not have thought much of you. But you come close to me. Open up this word. And I will teach you. I'll help you. And so I made a decision. I think I was seven years old when I started to read the Bible through every year. Mostly because my dad forced me to. I'm glad for that now. I wasn't then. We had an American Baptist pastor, and he told everybody, you read three chapters a day and five on Sunday. My dad took that, and he made the kids do it as well. But I'm telling you, there is no greater thing that you can give yourself to than growing intimate with God through an open Bible, a listening heart surrendered to the Holy Spirit. Anybody, don't raise your hand, anybody ever wasted 20 minutes scrolling through social media? How about 40 minutes? How about an hour? I said you didn't have to answer, we'll we'll help you. (laughs) But you're helping us because we've all done it. How about 20 minutes in the Bible and you didn't even think you were reading because you got so engrossed? How about an hour and it just passed by because the Holy Spirit became your teacher? Some of you have only known the discipline of reading. You've not yet discovered the delight that this this book is living. David said it's sweeter than honey. He said it's more precious to me than thousands of pieces of gold and silver. Wow. He said when rulers sit and slander me, he said your word will become my counselor. In other words, people in high position were accusing David. He said, I could listen to what they're saying about me, but I'm going to open this up, and your word tells me who I am. It becomes my counselor. It corrects me, teaches me. David was a shepherd boy. I'm just trying to give you hope. If this little Indian boy that his teachers had no hope for can learn to know God, 
and become more and more comfortable with his word, and I want it, I need more, so can anybody in the room. Why don't you just, for a moment, just talk to the Lord and say, Lord, give me a love for your word. Give me a love for your word. And then just ask the Holy Spirit. He's here. He's with you. Say, Holy Spirit, would you be my teacher? Would you help me? Would you show me truth? Would you illuminate it to me? I'm going to invite our worship team to come up. And I want to, I'm going to read the rest of this chapter. And I'm going to give you six things that I see here. Say, Here's the rest of the chapter. My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free from perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to your ways. For your feet. And be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. So verse 18 tells us, if you live righteously, your path is going to get brighter and brighter and brighter. And then from verse 20, it tells you how you walk on that path. You guys can start playing. My son, pay attention. I love this. The Lord is saying, turn to me. Turn to me. Quick question as we... Draw this to a close. Where do you turn? Where do you look? When the pressure's on, where do you turn? And maybe today you're going to make some choices. Lord, I'm going to turn to you. I'm going to turn to you in worship. I'm going to turn to you in prayer. I'm going to turn to you in your word. There are mornings I've woken up feeling just like no spiritual life. Like it's just nothing. And I have a choice. I open this up. And I begin to read and say, Lord, I want to meet you today here. I also have a choice. Let's just see what's happening on Instagram. Has anybody sent me an email that I need to respond to? I have a quick look at the news. But I know I'm normally in trouble if I turn somewhere else before I turn to the Lord. So out of this passage, one of the first things we do is we turn to the Lord. We pay attention to what he's saying. We give him our ears. We choose not to let them out of our sight. We keep them within our heart. And you might say, that sounds like a lot of work. Do you remember he said, be strong and work. It is work. But you do that work anyway. You do that work with social media and with email and with TV and with news. He's like, just turn somewhere else. You're actually not, you're, you're created to turn somewhere. All I'm encouraging you to do is turn to the source of life, the one who loves you. The one when you turn, he'll put hope inside of you. He'll give you peace and strength. It's just a matter of choice. Where will I turn? Turn to the bottle? 
turn to a drug or am I going to turn to the Lord? Turn to an addiction, turn to pornography. No, I'm going to turn to the Lord. And, and sometimes I don't feel like turning to the Lord. It feels like every demon in hell is in that room fighting me. And I still say, Lord, I come. And I'm going to turn to you. I don't feel like it, so take my desires right now. I'm turning to you. Sin promises much, but delivers little. But the Lord is good with His promise. Secondly, guard your heart. Everything you do comes from your heart. Be careful what you allow in there. Pull out the weeds. Your heart, if you put the right things in, fuels, energizes you. Keep it soft. Keep it tender. Keep short accounts. I'm ever so careful what I watch. I have chosen not to watch certain things because one image can just stay. And it rattles around. And if I allow it to, it'll end up becoming sin. I don't want that image in my mind. My heart, my mind is an incubator. Honestly, you put the right stuff in and it starts growing in there and you become unstoppable. Put the wrong stuff in. We've all done it. Somebody said something, you get offended. It gets into your heart. You keep chewing over it. Before you know it, you've got yourself in a stew. You're angry. And other people may not even know, but it's all just what you allowed in your heart. Pull out the weeds. Pull out any bad roots. Hebrews 12, 14. Make every effort to live at peace with all men and to be holy. And then it says, see that no bitter root gets in. Because it will not only defile you, it will defile many. Have you ever met somebody that's carrying a root of bitterness? They may not even be angry with you. But that root of bitterness, over a few decades, they're just sharp, on edge. They just poke people everywhere all the time with their words. We want to be tender lovers of God. You put the word in there. You ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. It energizes everything you do when your heart is clean and good. Plant the right seed in. Think about the fruit of the Spirit. Think about the Beatitudes. I know as a church you value praying the Scriptures. You start praying the scriptures, the word gets into your heart. The word gets into your heart, the engrafted word begins to grow. So you turn to the Lord, you guard your heart. Thirdly, keep your mouth. I, I wrote in my notes, I want to be a good keeper of my mouth. So many times I want to say something, and I hear the Holy Spirit saying, shh, no need to voice that. When my kids were really little and we were walking down the street, if they saw somebody that was different to them, either with a disability or it could have been a different skin color, it could have been the size of the person, as a two-year-old, they point and say what they see. <laughs> and you teach them to say, you, that's rude. And that you don't have to say everything you think. Tell your neighbor, you don't have to say everything you think. We take every thought captive, we make it obedient to Christ. Our words are creative. So Esther and I pretty much daily, we put our hands over our mouth.
and we actually say, Lord, we place a God over our mouth today. Holy Spirit, would you help us to only say things that are edifying, helpful, instructive. Help us to be careful not to gossip, not to accuse, not to be judgmental. Fourthly, fix your eyes. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Why? Your eyes fuel your imagination. So when I keep the word in front of me, my imagination becomes godly. God's revelation, prophetic things come in. If I, whether it's materialism, whether it's anger, whether it's uh, sexual lust, whether it's covetousness of what a neighbor has, if you look long enough at something, you'll want it fuels your imagination so the writer here is saying if you want to stay on the right path fix your gaze directly before you the writer of Hebrews says let us fix our eyes on Jesus fifthly I just wrote choose carefully choose carefully you know give careful thought to the paths for your feet choose your direction of travel ever so carefully by the help of the Holy Spirit by the help of the community where you're planted in submission to God's word because if you choose even just slightly off a few years down the road you'll be miles off so I, I, I think every one of us needs daily course corrections if you're driving a car that turning of the wheel come even on a straight road you have to keep turning ever so slightly just to stay in the center lane and the Lord has us do that with our lives course corrections and then lastly be steadfast that's the phrase in the chapter be steadfast in all your ways do not turn to the right or to the left keep your foot from evil in other words you don't do this for a week or a year or a month how about settling in for 10 years 20 years and just saying, Lord, this isn't a commitment for this weekend. I'm in. I'm in for the next 10 years. That Bible reading plan, I want to be good for 10 years. And if I stumble, I'm going to get up and go again. That commitment of holiness, it's not for a year or for the weekend because the conference was good. Feelings come, feelings go. Feelings will not save you. Like getting the right pathway, staying on it, and just one foot in front of the other, little by little, and you become the person God's called you to be. Is that helpful? Let's stand to our feet. I'm hoping this morning that that's instructive. We've had some messages that are inspirational. We've had worship times where we felt His presence. Then I feel this morning the Lord's coming in and He's saying, I am about to move and I've begun. The shaking that's coming, but I want some decisions from you in the way that you live and what you do. I want you to reorder your life. What does it mean to be in community? What does it mean to have a, a, a multi kind of nation emphasis in what God's called you to do? What does it mean to stay on the path of life? And just, I'm going to pray for you in just a moment. Esther and I wrote a book. Much of what we've been teaching this weekend is in this book, but there's much, much more in there. 32 small chapters. It's called Revival Ready, Rethinking the Kingdom 
discipleship and church. And that might be something you want to do as a married couple or as a family. I want to encourage you to get a hold of that. Uh, I'd rather not take any home. We'll store them in Faith's bedroom because there's plenty of room in there, I'm sure. I've not seen your bedroom, but we'll... Is that okay? Any spare ones, we'll put boxes in there. Let's just raise our hands. Just say, here I am, Lord. I want to walk on the path of righteousness. I want to make righteous decisions. Thank you that my destiny is to become stronger day by day and brighter. I love you. Would you help me? In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.